Welcome to another Milwaukee Admirals podcast with Charlie Larson. I'm Aaron Sims. We are taking a look around the Central Division in the American Hockey League. Of course, the Admirals playing 76 games and based in the Central Division. Uh, we've already heard from Chicago and Rockford, Charlie. And today we're going to hear from a couple of teams. The Admirals we, The Admirals will see those two teams, Chicago and Rockford, 14 times each. 28 times, yeah. 12 times each with Grand Rapids. And the Manitoba Moose, who will hear Bare, barely get to know them, barely get to know them after right. uh, after twelve games. <laughs> right, uh, but it, it, it's going to be interesting, and uh, and we'll get into all of this. But uh, for both of these clubs, and and we mentioned this when we were talking about Chicago and Rockford, um, we had a year off, and so many things have changed, not only with Milwaukee but with all these other teams. So all of these familiar names that we've grown accustomed to over the years being opponents of, of the gone. Admirals, they've moved on to somewhere else. It's an, it's an interesting time. Absolutely. Guys that you've learned to hate Joe Hicketts. Is there any Admirals fan who, whose blood pressure doesn't rise when you, once you mention the name Joe Hicketts, right? Yeah, yeah. He, he's, he's gone. And, but that's, that's the AHL, right? You go two years and whose roster is this is 50% the same after two years. There's nobody. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's basically what we're going here. So it's exciting to see, uh, to get back at it. You know, we talk uh, uh, with, with, with Manitoba's broadcaster, Daniel Fink, and uh, he mentions about Eric Comrie and breaking the record. And I, I had no, uh, no clue that that had happened. And if we had been in, the, in a regular season, and you can, people will be able to listen to it, uh, if that had been in a regular season, I would have known that. I really felt out of the loop. When he's talking yeah. about Eric Comrie breaking Manitoba records and and all that stuff, because obviously Adam, Admirals fans know who Eric Comrie is and know him well. Uh, it's it's so weird, but now we're we're back at it. We're we're close to playing games here, and we're we're going to be dialed back in, and that's awesome. Yeah, uh, the Admirals will host Manitoba uh, the beginning of November um, for the first time this season, and again, uh, twelve games against Manitoba. We'll hear from Daniel Fink, the play-by-play announcer for them uh, coming up in just a little bit. And uh, right now we'll start things off with uh, the Grand Rapids Griffins announcer, Bob Kayser. Bob uh, uh, is, like uh, us, is a little, Bob's a little bit like us. Yeah. He, he did not uh, do so much last year and uh, they've, uh, they've got a lot of, a lot of new faces in Grand Rapids. So uh, it's going to be an interesting time. Uh, the Admirals will open the season, of course, with the Griffins on October the 16th at UW Milwaukee Panther arena. So, Looking forward to that and uh, looking forward to hear from uh, from one of our dear friends. We're joined now by one of our favorite people. He's been the longtime voice of the Grand Rapids Griffins, Bob Kayser. Bob, great to see you. Great to talk to you. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Aaron, and so good to see you and Charlie. Uh, I miss you guys tremendously. And as we were talking about before we started this interview, uh, there are certain people around this league that... Uh, that hold a really near and dear spot to my heart. You were two of them, long, long time friends, and can't wait, can't wait to get back at it just to see hockey again. But to see my good friends, uh, the two of you and Woj and and the John Greenberg and the rest of the gang in Milwaukee, can't wait. Yeah, well, same. The feeling is mutual here. There's no doubt about that. Twelve times this season too, so it's it's upped a little bit. We'll see each other quite a bit this year again. Yeah, no kidding. Well, hopefully you guys aren't as good as you were the last time we saw you play, because that means 12 games could be a handful of losses against an awfully good Milwaukee you, team. Well, and, and you know what? And, and we, I look at this Griffins roster, and I saw one game last season uh, when, when Grand Rapids visited Chicago, but it's so strange to, see, to think about the Grand Rapids Griffins without 
Dominic Turgeon, Joe Hicketts, Matthew Ford, Svechnikov, McElrath, Chalosky, Chris Terry, Eric Tangrady, and even Ryan Martin. I mean, it's right. the amount of changes that have gone on. And I guess, I mean, is that a product, Bob, of the draft picks are finally getting old enough to, to come play for Grand Rapids? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of that. Obviously, Steve Eisenman took over as a GM a few years back and, and a little bit of a change in philosophy. And um, I don't know how much of a change. I mean, really, at the end of the day, Ken Holland is, uh, you know, who was there before. Uh, Steve, you know, was a big believer in, in development. And, and sure. therefore, we had great success, as you guys know, here in Grand Rapids, because the NHL team really cares about, you know, creating a winning environment and, and that culture that, uh, you know, is going to help guys that uh, whether they go up and play in Detroit or they go play somewhere else in the NHL, they're helping guys to, you know, learn how to win and, and be in a professional atmosphere. And, um, you know, Eiserman brings every bit of that and then some, you know, his days in, in Tampa are proof of that where the Syracuse teams were always so good as well. So, um, but yeah, as far as the, uh, you know, the, 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 uh, the overall scheme of things here, I, I don't know how much has really changed. I mean, certainly, um, you know, the fact that the wings have got a lot more draft picks than they used to have, um, you know, and a lot of high draft picks, a lot of first rounders. We, you know, we've had our share of them now roll through here and we'll probably have another one or two, or if not three this year. So, you know, the wings had, I think, uh, what, 13 picks in the first three rounds each of the last right. two years compared yeah. to years past where they hardly had any draft picks at all, let alone first, second and third rounders. So, um, you know, just based on that and the rebuild, we're going to benefit. You know, we have been benefiting and probably will continue to benefit because of that. The, uh, I was going to ask you about how, how is it, <laughs> how is the relationship with Steve Iserman, obviously a legend, a Red Wings legend, former roommate of Admiral's uh, head coach, Lane Lambert, might add. Uh, but how is that relationship specifically with Grand Rapids? Does he get over there much? Is, is there a lot of communication or does he, you know, sort of hand that down to the assistant GM and it just, it, it works from there? Well, you know, he's, he's very hands-on for sure. Um, you know, and, and one thing about him is he flies under the radar. You know, obviously he's, uh, he's just the most humble of, of hockey people I think I've ever met. And, you know, and you, you guys know, I mean, hockey people in general are just, they're just humble, very people, humble, good yeah. down to earth people. And um, Steve Eisenman, I, I remember his first day coming to Grand Rapids after he was named GM of the Red Wings, you know, walks down the hallway outside our locker room here. And there's a number of people out there. It's, it's, you know, morning skate and, and he goes and shakes hands with everybody and introduces himself. Hi, hi Steve Eisenman. Yeah. <laughs> Steve, you don't, you, you don't need to introduce yourself. We know, yeah. But, but he doesn't we assume know who you are. <laughs> right, yeah. So it's, it, but that's just, and it's genuine. I mean, he's just such a, such an amazing, amazing, uh, you know, person. And, and uh, um, you know, we're just excited as can be to, you know, to work with him. But, uh, you know, he, they do rely very heavily on, on the assistants. You know, Ryan Martin, you mentioned his name you know, the assistant GM uh, for the Red Wings for a number of years. And, and of course, our serving as our GM uh, just moved on recently to the New York Rangers and Pat Verbeek and the little ball of hate yeah. will, uh, now, now be stepping in. And, you know, Pat certainly brings a great history of playing the game himself, uh, you know, and, and playing it in, 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 a, in a very uh, edgy way and, you know, has and a winning, yeah. respect and winning. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, and he was with uh, Steve Eisenman in Tampa. So the two of them reunite to now and, and uh, you know, we're excited to have Pat. I know Pat will be here a lot. He already has been. Um, and I, I suspect we'll see him not just a, a ton here in, in Grand Rapids. It's so easy, obviously, to get here. It's two hours, two and a half hours from Little Caesars Arena door to Van Andel Arena door. So right. uh, very easy. But I'm sure we'll see him also a lot on the road. The Red Wings do take, uh, you know, a real keen interest in everything going on with their, their minor league team here in Grand Rapids.
you know, go ahead, Charlie. Oh, I was just going to say a guy, you talk about playing uh, the edgy game, a guy I've always enjoyed. Cause I, I like those guys usually, uh, but a guy who's played <laughs> for you guys for a, a number of years, who's sort of been a tweener the last few years is Giovanni Smith. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'm wondering what, what's his, is he, is he penciled into the Red Wings lineup as of now? Or do you think there's a chance that he comes back down and plays for Grand Rapids a little this year? No, I think there's a very good chance he's going to play in Detroit, if not the entire year, most of it. Most he, of the year. he would have to clear waivers as well. So, you know, he that would be dangerous, I think, with the, you know, with him. He's, he's certainly caught the attention of a lot of people. He's risen the ranks pretty quickly. He's a big body. He's a tough kid. He's a great kid. He's, he brings a lot of those intangibles that uh, – you know, that uh, any NHL team is going to covet. So, you know, I think his time has come now. I know they have him penciled into the lineup in Detroit. Um, uh, you know, there's still a lot of question marks as there are in Nashville slash uh, Milwaukee, obviously. So it's, uh, you know, just a lot of, a lot of things that, uh, you know, are kind of up in the air right now, as far as, you know, I mean, here we are a weekend before the, the season begins and we still don't really know who's going to be here. I mean, we have a yeah. pretty decent idea, probably three quarters, maybe 80% of our lineup. We've got a pretty good idea what that will be, but that other 10, 15, 20%, it, you know, even tonight's exhibition game with Pittsburgh will probably go a long ways towards determining, you know, who comes here this weekend or who stays up in Detroit just a little bit longer. But that bodes well for the Griffins, don't you think? And the fact that there are jobs to be had. And we, I mean, you, you've been around the game, obviously. You know that what they start with on October 12th or 13th, whenever their first game is, October 20th, it could be different. Guys might have oh, played yeah. their way out of the lineup. Guys might be hurt, whatever. So there are, all season long, there are going to be jobs somewhere along the way. And that goes with every team. Yeah, and I know you get the same question, Aaron. Charlie, you probably get it as well, just to, you know, fans asking, uh, media asking, what kind of team are you going to have? And right. I, my response is always the same. Like, trust me, you know just about as much as I do. Like, it, right. it's, you know, it, it just it, it's such a crapshoot in our league, you know, and yeah. especially with teams that have have built up, you know, a, a pretty good number of, of roster spots, especially for, in our case, young guys you know, because of all the draft picks the Wings have had now and benefited from the last few years, we, of course, will, uh, you know, will benefit from that. So, you know, there's just a lot of guys that are on that bubble right now. Like the one that, you know, we're really anxious about is, is um, uh, the young, the first round draft pick, uh, um, I'm, I'm drawing an absolute blank on his name right now, Lucas Raymond. There's yeah. the third pick overall in the draft, you know, out of Sweden and, uh, you know, he is really impressing in Detroit right now. You know, the, he, he was penciled to probably come here that could change. You know, he's, he's really impressed the Red Wing brass, including coach Jeff Blaschel. So, you know, there's a lot of guys that fall into that same category that uh, might be here on Monday, might still be in Detroit come Monday. And you, then the you, following Monday, who knows? Raymond, Raymond is an interesting <laughs> one. And then throw in um, a couple of guys from a couple of years ago that were drafted. I don't think there's any chance more at Cider is in Grand Rapids this no. year. Do you? I mean, the way he played in Sweden and the way he played in his, as a rookie and, and Joe Veleno is another interesting one to me. Where do you think he ends up? Joe's very much on the bubble right now, um, Aaron. He's, uh, um, you know, they feel like maybe another year of development. You know, I, I, that, I don't think there's any question he could play in the NHL right now. And this, yeah. you know, you say that about a lot of guys, right? But that development is so important. He's still a very young guy, um, you know, and, and just, uh, you know, important for him to, to play in that in this environment, play all minutes, all different situations as they talk about. Um, you know, you hear GMs and coaches talk about that and the value of the power play and the penalty kill and, you know, just learning that 200 foot game. Joe Valeno is very good at that part of it, by the way, but, uh, you know, to, to, to step into the national hockey league right now might, you know, he could do it, 
but is he ready for it? And if you've got enough pieces in Detroit right now, why rush him? The, the wings—that's that's one thing—is the wings will not rush guys. They they I, let them they let them simmer down here, and then once right. uh, once they're you know, ready to crash through that door, and that's 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 kind of the approach is once they're ready to crash through that door, and that's when they bring him in. And, I always and, I always like the Ron Hextall quote, and it's attributed to him, and I'm sure many people have said it, but. Like nobody's gotten worse playing an extra year in the American Hockey League. Right. Yeah. I always like that. Right. I mean, that's 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 something people forget. Yeah. Something something people forget. 90% of the players in the National Hockey League played in the American League. Some some played for a month, some played for five years before they got there. But there's and, not a whole lot of difference, really, between the AHL and the NHL when boy, it comes right down and, to it. And I'm sure you can say the same thing, Bob. We, how many players have you seen that, okay, this guy's going to be the next great thing, and he starts the year, he's got a, he makes the team on a training camp up in uh, in Detroit, and then, you know, 10 games into the season, it's just, it, the grind is different. The games are right. different. And they, okay, he's not, It's he's got to come back down. He needs some seasoning. We see that all the time, and... You know, from our perspective, we get Ellie Tolvin and he played, you know, he had he had to play for us for two full seasons before he could really get his chance to make his mark because they don't want. And to, and to your point, Detroit does a good job with this. Right. Of make, they don't they don't take the, the front first, the guy who's got the offensive talent and bring him up and put him on the fourth line and play four minutes. That's just a it's a recipe. You got to put your guys in, a, in, a, in an opportunity to succeed. Learn. And to your point, Detroit does that. They'll keep the guys in Grand Rapids a little bit longer, maybe, and that offers more success for Grand Rapids too. And then when they're finally ready to say, like you say, to burst through the door, uh, that that they have that, that they, they have that success. So that's not really a question as much as saying, uh, like that's such a great way to describe it is they're bursting through the door and they're ready to succeed at the NHL level. Right, and it's you know you you just uh, I thought I loved your point on you know. Guys that you think are surefire bets to play in the National Hockey League, you just never know because there's so many intangibles in the game of hockey. And that's why they, you know, they talk about the draft. You know, eight, 17, 18 year old kids you're drafting. It's 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 really hard to predict. You know, a 17 or 18 year old and whether or not does he have a 90 percent chance to play in the NHL? Does he have a 50 percent chance to play in the NHL? You know, so much of it depends on the NHL team that drafts him and you know, how things, you know, develop over time with other young players and prospects and trades, et cetera, et cetera. But then it's just that maturity level and being able to, you know, move, you know, like Mort Sider, I think is the most recent example. And I'm, I'm cautious now because there've been guys that have come along here in Grand Rapids that we're, we're telling the Red Wings, you know, for what it's worth, this guy's going to play in the NHL. He's not only going to play in the NHL, he's going to be an NHL all-star. Yeah. So there've been a few guys that, you know, fell flat on their face in that regard. And we didn't look good because we're the ones touting him. I'm looking at a guy like Mort Sider, and to me, he's a can't miss. But again, there's so many intangibles to the game that you just never know. Now, I, I'm 95% convinced that, that you know a guy like Mort Sider is going to be a National Hockey League All-Star. He's not going to be just a good NHL player. Right. I he's going to be an All-Star for many years to come. So, But uh, there's just no guarantee of anything. It really isn't. While the while some faces have changed and we alluded to many of them, um, Ben Simon is still there. I mean, you, you talked about uh, how the teams want to play similar to each other in Detroit and in Grand Rapids. I mean, that that bodes well. Ben too. Ben is a guy who has won at this level. He's played at this level. He's played in the NHL. He knows what he's. He's got many years. It's crazy to think how young he is and how many years of developing players he's uh, already put in. It, it's really yeah. remarkable. I should also add that Ben Simon was the first player that I ever took on a community event. Wow. Uh, back, back in 2003, 2004, he had played for the Admirals, and I took him to Wilson Park 
where you've been, obviously, Bob. Uh, yeah. Uh, and uh, he did a, a youth skate. So, anyways, I pardon. I apologize for interrupting the question. No, that's with another non-question, just a statement. I'm like a leave I'm it, like leave a it to the leave it to the front office guy to remind people that these guys are really good in the community, right? So yeah, yeah. that's right. <laughs> and, and that's why we've we've said that all along, Charlie and Aaron. You know, we we talk about this often is that we're so fortunate to you know broadcasters and PR guys to work in this sport because we have access to players that. They get it. You know, they understand the importance of giving back. And Ben Simon, not only is he a great coach and a, and a great uh, uh, representative of the game of hockey in, in our franchise, as well as the Red Wings, uh, you know, he's always been a guy that's that, that he understands that part of it. And that helps, you know, when you when you're when you're asking your coaches, uh, your GMs that, you know, hey, listen, we we're very aggressive as an organization and we certainly are here in Grand Rapids in terms of our efforts in the community uh, with the players and fundraising, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, we need access to the guys and Ben, he gets it. He understands it. He gives us all access and, and, and the players themselves love it. So, you know, we're, we're fortunate that way too, but yeah, certainly to your point, Aaron, to have Ben back, they have our entire coaching staff back, you know, Matt yeah. McDonald, Todd Krieger, Mike Knubel, uh, uh, Brian Mahoney Wilson, our goalie coach, you know, unfortunately we lost Billy Leroy a couple of years ago, our video yeah. coach who passed away tragically, but, uh, um, you know, we move on, uh, you know, in Billy's memory and, and uh, we'll do good things. And uh, we've, we've got a, a you know, a, a, some real stability in the coaching ranks here. And it's a good thing and, and understandable because they all bring such a, such a, a, a positive to this, this franchise. And certainly most importantly, uh, the development of young players, they're entrusted by the Red Wings to do that. And they've done a great job and will continue to do so. And, and, and I bring up the coaching staff because uh, as we know, and, and you had said uh, a little bit ago, we don't know who's going to be here. We don't know who's going to be in Grand Rapids. We don't know who's going to be in Milwaukee for certain, but we do know that Ben Simon teaches the kids well. And we do know that Ben Simon traditionally has an outstanding power play and we, you know, things like that. So when people ask what is Grand Rapids going to be like this season, you kind of have to base it on the coach. Yes. The players win the games and the players ability, you know, execution and all of that stuff, but the, the, the plan is in place anyway. And I, I love his approach too. And you know, you guys saw him play enough that uh, you know Ben Simon was a scrappy guy, big time. Right. You know, and he uh, and that's why he won. That's why he won everywhere he went as a player and now as a coach. Uh, you know, he gets a lot of that kind of uh, effort out of his players. He's, he still brings some some of that old school hound dog mentality to you know to his coaching. And I mean, and, and me as an old school hockey guy, Aaron, I know you're much the same, Charlie. You've been around a few years too. We love that old school hockey. Yeah. You know, I, I I miss those days. Uh, still love the game. It's always going to be a, a phenomenal game, but there was something special about it back in the day that, you know, you hated opponents, even Ben Simon. I told Ben when he, when he got dealt to us, uh, you know, he, his first game with us was in Syracuse. I did an interview with him. I said, you know, Ben, I don't, I haven't liked you as a player for a long time. I'll be perfectly honest. He said, well, that, that means I'm doing my job, right? He, right. I, want, I want the opponent to dislike me. And I love that approach to it. You know, he's uh, he gets a ton out of his guys. Uh, you know, we're just, we're thrilled to have him back again. Kevin McHale said uh, it, the game was better when we didn't like each other. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny, but it's so true. I, you know, I, I cringe sometimes when I see guys, even during warmups, you know, players talking across the red line talking to each other. Gosh, yeah. knock it off. I yeah. don't want you talking. Yeah, you don't guy. stand around the batting cages, boys. This, we're <laughs> right, working right. here. Well, I'm trying to beat you. Yeah, exactly. Oh. Right. Exactly. What, right. What, what, what's the, what's, it looks to me, at least, it looks like your goaltending situation is pretty pretty stable. It looks like Calvin Pickard and Philip Larson is who's going to occupy the net. Uh, you know, Alex Nedeljkovic is signed, not signed, traded to 
the the Red Wings this year. So it, it looks to be, as of right now, pretty sta- a pretty stable position for you guys. Well, the, the backup spot, and I don't know if I see backup, Calvin Pickett will definitely be here. But the, the other spot, you know, Caden Fulcher's in the mix. So he could wind up either here or in Toledo. Um, there's a, another young goaltender that's uh, that's in Detroit right now in uh, Victor Bradstrom, um, who I'm thinking might get some significant playing time here. I, I, you know, again, I probably know about as much as our fans right now because this has been a crazy summer for all of us uh, coming off of COVID, et cetera. And, um, you know, just to trying to get back in the saddle again and, you know, with everything else we've got going on in life and, and in business, on the business side of things. Now I'm just now starting to look at our roster and get back into the hockey side of things and, uh, you know, kind of doing the deep dive during the last few days. So, you know, getting reacquainted with a team, you know, who's going to be here, who's not, and, you know, the prospects, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, yeah, goaltending, I think, you know, either way, we should be in pretty good shape. Uh, you know, obviously with a guy like Calvin Pickard who's got, uh, you know, a good number of games in this league, not to mention the NHL and one of the all-time best guys uh, on the planet too, uh, by the way. So um, we're excited about that, but uh yeah, that that uh, we should be we should be solid. It seems like we always have been here in the in net, and you know, then out in front of them, who knows? I mean, it, on, on paper, it looks pretty good right now. But uh, again, until we, you know, we see the names and the, the numbers rolling through here, you know, as of right now, we know one guy heck, uh, sitting in the locker room, the number eighteen helmet back there, yeah. Brian Lashoff, who's yeah. an institution here. In fact. He's such an institution. He gets this entire locker room all to himself. <laughs> that's his stall. That's his, this is his room. But uh, anyway, um, yeah. We, I looked we, him up, Bob. March 29th, 2009 was his first game with the Griffins. Unbelievable. Wow. Yeah. He, uh, you know, and then it was right after that, that he went to and, and won gold with the U S world uh, junior team, which, you know, that was a significant accomplishment. I think since then now that, U.S. junior teams have had great success in the World Junior Championships, and U.S. junior hockey is so solid now. And um, it was great to see Brian to to win. And you know, he played. Uh, he's just he's he is definitely a, an icon here in Grand Rapids. There aren't you know there aren't a ton of them. I mean, Travis Richards is the only player up until this coming year that uh, had his jersey retired here. We got we're gonna we're gonna add a couple of more jerseys to the Raptors this year. And, and Brian La- or in uh, uh, Michelle Picard who played back in the nineties, early two thousands. And then Jeff Hogan, our, our captain, maybe the arguably the greatest captain in the history of our franchise who led us to our first Calder cup back in uh, 2013. So um, yeah. So Brian definitely falls into the category of uh, you think about the Griffins, you, you think of a guy like Brian Lashaw. We've talked a, a lot here, Bob, about the, the changes in Nashville and, and again, who's going to be here and all of that stuff. Detroit is young enough and has enough waiver flexibility that they can try guys out. So a guy can go up for a week or two and Steve Iserman, Jeff Blaschel, they don't have to worry about losing him to waivers next week. They can make that move and call somebody the hot hand up from Grand Rapids if they want. And that's, that's a nice luxury to have that a lot of NHL teams just simply do not while when you're trying to figure out what your roster is going to be. Yeah. And you gotta, you know, like back to that whole bubble thing, you know, you just, you got a lot of, uh, you know, that, that's the thing I really like about the Red Wings among many things, Aaron is, is, uh, and Nashville seems to have done, you know, much of the same and, you know, they understand the importance of development. That's what this league really is about, but that development doesn't happen without mentors, without leadership. And that just doesn't, you know, it doesn't, you know, rely heavily or not heavily, but, you know, of course it does heavily, but not solely on the coaching staff. 
it's it's those leaders, it's those guys that have the C on their jersey and the A on the jersey, and even the guys beyond that, like a Kyle Chris Colo is a great example. A lot of teams, he'd be a captain probably, or at least an assistant anyway. He was a two-time captain at Harvard, but he's still a fairly young guy, though he's been around long enough to work. He's you know, he's going to mentor mentor people. He's got the Harvard, you know, the Harvard degree. He's a very, very, very smart kid, very knowledgeable about the game of hockey and plays the game with the, you know, with an intensity and a grit that, uh, you know, other guys are going to look up to. So, um, you know, there's a lot of those kind of guys. They were quick to bring Chris Colo back because of what he did here, helping us win a Calder Cup in 2017. Um, Turner Elson will be back again. Uh, Riley Barber, you know, not only is uh, – you know, is he a great hockey player, but he too is going to lead by example. Um, Danny Renuff, Dan Renuff comes back on defense for us, won a Calder Cup and went on and won, won another one in Charlotte. You know, he's, he's got two Calder Cups behind him. Uh, you know, he's a leader. So the Red Wings are really big in surrounding these young developing players with the veteran guys who are going to are going to be play a very instrumental role in helping these young guys learn the ropes, learning how to be pros, all those things you hear GMs and coaches talk about the important assets that players are going to need to get to the National Hockey League. Well, and, and on top of that, all those players you mentioned, it's all well and good to have a, a great veteran. But if he's not in the lineup, yeah, he can say all he wants in the locker room. But the guys you mentioned, they have all had some sort of success, uh, great success, whether it's individual being among the league leaders in scoring like Riley Barber, whether it's winning championships, whatever it may be. So while they're talking the talk, they've also walked the walk on top of that and can still yeah, do so. No question. And we, we got ourselves into a bit of a pickle here a couple of years ago with, you know, you, you had that veteran rule in the American leagues. So you can only have so many that have played a certain number of games. And we had to sit one out every night, you know, and that included Matt Ford, you know, uh, you know, some really good hockey players that, uh, you know, had to had to sit on the sidelines and, and watch, you know, every third or fourth or fifth game. So, um, but, uh, you know, it, it's tricky for sure. But uh, again, the Red Wings have done a great job, that balancing act of, you know, having those veteran guys and, you know, and like to your point too, Aaron, it's, it's those veteran guys that, you know, that can, that can go up and down and, and, and yeah. play a role, not only here, and helping the team win and create that, you know, that positive winning culture here that's so important to all the young guys and everybody else around, but to, to, to provide, you know, some, some uh, you know, some ability to go up and play in Detroit and contribute uh, in, in, in their cause as well. So, um, you know, Matt Ford's one guy, though, I did for their forever. I, I just, I, I saw him always, in fact, it, I, I told Ryan Martin and a few others is for whatever it's worth. Can you guys give Matt Ford Let's one get game, him a game in the NHL? Yeah. Get him one game, you know, just, yeah. and I know there's a lot more to it than just saying, Hey, come on, you're coming up and, and uh, you know, playing, playing that one NHL game that you've not had the chance to play, but uh, Red Wings are really, really good with their people, their coaches, their players, their staff. And we, we are just, it's a match made in heaven here for us that, uh, you know, the relationship between us and, and Detroit. Yeah. So as, as we look ahead and again, we don't really know the rosters as of yet, uh, the Grand Rapids does not play any exhibition games. So I mean, your first look is, is the week of the games. So the, the, the nice thing is, is that by and large, everybody's been in big league camp and there will be whoever shows up. That'll probably be that that's mostly your team right there is, is whoever shows up on Monday. Yeah, and most guys have played, you know, some NHL exhibition games. In fact, there'll be a handful of them that will play tonight. Uh, the Red Wings host Pittsburgh tonight. And then I think they're in Buffalo 
on Saturday for their, I think that's their final exhibition game. But uh, most of the guys, in fact, I think every guy that'll be here has played at least one or a couple of uh, exhibition games in Detroit. So, you know, the decision was made a few years back for, uh, you know, just to do it that way, as opposed to, you know, us playing exhibition games down here. Um, you know, it's worked out pretty good and gives us more time to, to get ready from a business perspective, get ready for that opener and, um, you know, and, and have the have the arena ready to go. Uh, it'd be tough to play some hockey in here right now, as I pointed out to you, Aaron, a little while ago to get the, they're setting up for the monster trucks in here. So there's about 15 billion tons of dirt being rolled into the building right now. So it'd be pretty tough to play any hockey around here these days, but uh, that'll change next week. You know, they'll, they'll, uh, they'll clean the dirt out and get the ice ready to go for, for uh, first day of the uh, on ice uh, here on Monday and then Friday night home and can't wait to, and then see you guys, uh, for your opener on, on Saturday yeah. in, uh, in Milwaukee. So yeah, yeah it's going to be fun. We don't know. We have no idea what time kind of team we're going to have. We, we think we're going to be solid as we have been for a long time as, uh, as the affiliate of the Red Wings who believe in, you know, in winning for, for sure. It, it seems like when Milwaukee comes to town, three of the five times in the past, uh, the games have been sold out because they've been on the right night, whatever it might be. What's the buzz around town this year since there wasn't really there was a season, but it wasn't really much of it. There was no playoffs. There, all of that. It was so different, obviously, last year. What's the buzz around town for the Griffins? I'm anxious to see what the buzz around town Milwaukee is, because obviously, yep. it's, you know, and everybody knows, you felt it firsthand not playing at all last year. Yes. You know, and I think there were probably some people after the season was over were probably feeling like, well, maybe it would have been better for us not to play. But you know, from a player's perspective, you know, it was the right thing to do to get those guys. Uh, you know, as close to a normal you know, scenario as they possibly could again, you know, because of development, you know, get those young yep. guys in the line. You know, we had a young defenseman, Soprango, uh, Dylan Soprango, who, you know, would have been playing in junior last year, but they gave right. him an exemption and he was able to play in the uh, the minor leagues. And he'll actually come back and play with us as a 19 year old because of that, uh, you know, because of the 20 game, the 20 game yeah. threshold that he passed. Yes. So that'll be a benefit for him. It'll be a benefit for us. And, uh, you know, that'll, that'll work out well, but uh, you know, it's just, it was a weird year, obviously, Aaron. And, and uh, you know, I think uh, it doesn't seem like there's the buzz about the team right now that we normally would have. I think it's just one of those things where, wow. I mean, after a year and a half of like the real thing, like a, a normal yeah. season, um, you know, we're about ready to get back at it again. I think that'll change though. Once the play, that's the only downside to not having the players here sooner is that you don't have that media coverage right, um, like right. you would when the, we feel the you know, same. We yeah. A, yeah. We have that swarm of media down here for the morning skate and lots of stories being, you know, being done and aired on, on the news that night. And then that buzz starts kicking in, but uh, you know, right now what, uh, you know, there's, there's certainly a buzz, but not, uh, not, not what it'll be. When, once next week rolls around, we anticipate we'll sell out the opener we have for 25, you know, years now. And uh, I'd be surprised if we didn't uh, pack the uh, the Van Andel Arena here next Friday against Rockford. And you get the college schedule right off the bat. The Admirals get the college football schedule. Yeah. The Griffins are just the one game. Uh, the Griffins get the the home and home, so to speak, or the the not home and home, but home and road right away. And um, it's going to be interesting. It's 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 a good first test for these for the younger players to to see what it's all about here to drive to drive through the night and gain the hour and all of that stuff here. Well, speaking of college football, even though I'm wearing my Wisconsin red, that's go right. blue, go blue. Finally go got blue. a win. Uh, they did their job in Madison. Time. That's for sure. Heck, I I was a young man when the Wolverines last won a game in Madison. So, <laughs> but, uh, 
Yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was a great, I'm, I'm a college football freak here, as I think, you know, so I love Michigan football. I just love college football. So it's nice to see the, the Wolverines get that, get that monkey off the back, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, you know, I think most teams design their schedules in our league that way, right? You just want to, you know, it's, it's, you know, because of that whole buzz factor, a lot of, you know, we're fortunate here because it is hockey country. You guys, you know, Milwaukee, obviously hockey country, some other cities don't have that luxury. So the right. buzz for hockey doesn't start really until kicking until November. Football even so, yeah. yeah. So you're, you're kind of, you know, your, your games are few and far between in October, but even here in hockey country, we, we specifically design our schedule to not play a ton of games in October. People just aren't quite ready for it. You still got college football. You still got high school football, which is huge everywhere. You know, there isn't quite the buzz, you know, um, you know, so it's almost like, gosh, it's hockey season already and not quite ready for it. Um, But once November rolls around, then I think uh, you start seeing those attendance numbers going up and the the excitement around the sport uh, ramps up for sure. Last one here. And speaking of the excitement for the team in Grand Rapids, uh, while it's the 26th season, you didn't get to properly celebrate a 25th anniversary (laughs) last year. So the Griffins are celebrating the 25th anniversary this season of Griffins hockey. That's fantastic. Yeah, I was like, I think they called it what twenty five point five or twenty four point twenty four and a half last year. Yeah, yeah, something like that. But uh, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, you only had sixty games the year before, thirty last year. That's about right. right. Yeah. So you know, obviously, there's a, there's a whole lot that's going to go into this season. You know, celebrating alumni and celebrating the history of the franchise. You know, and you need to have players around to do that. Now, even right now, it's not looking very promising as far as you know, the interaction with players and fans, which is a huge, huge, huge right. disappointment for a lot of reasons. You know, we love to, I know you guys are great with it too, Aaron, and, you know, giving your fans access to your players. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's uh, we have a lot of team functions and promotions that we've done over the years that uh, we're going to have to scrap again, it looks like as of now, um, which is uh, just a big disappointment for the organization. As excited as we are about playing hockey in a, a full 76 game schedule and, and most things back to normal, that's one thing that, uh, you know, right now is not going to, is not going to return to the way we want it to be and, and everyone else wants it to be. So, you know, we'll just, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll do everything we can to, uh, to make the most of the 25th anniversary season and, and, uh, you know, we're very excited about it. You know, like we said, we'll retire a couple of jerseys this year with Michelle Picard and Jeff Hogan. Those will be very exciting nights. Um, you know, we'll, we'll definitely be honoring the, the past, uh, the history of this franchise. I, I know you guys have done that uh, and you do it because you have a great, rich tradition, uh, you know, in Milwaukee and, and as we do here. So, you know, we're going to we're going to honor that as best we can, uh, despite some of the limitations. And, uh, you know, I just uh, can't wait. Just giddy right now with excitement to to start playing hockey again and getting back with my buddy Aaron Sims and the rest of my fellow broadcasters and coaches and uh, everybody else around the league. Can't wait. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I agree. It's going to be a special, a special time. Uh, Bob, great to see you. Thanks so much for this insight. And uh, I can't wait to see you next week. Absolutely. Aaron. Thanks a bunch. Look forward to seeing all the great Admirals fans too. All right. That's Bob Kayser, play-by-play voice of the Grand Rapids Griffins. Now we're joined by the excellent broadcaster for the Manitoba Moose, Daniel Fink. It's good to see you, Daniel. How's everything going for you? It's been it, it's it's funny because you worked last year, I did not. So it's been it's been a while since I've seen you. 
yeah, it's it's great to to hear your voice again because it's it's been a little while, and especially with us spending all our last season in the Canadian division, missed hanging out with all of our Central Division friends. So it was definitely a weird year for everybody, but uh, we were fortunate enough to get in a, uh, a thirty-plus game season. So that was uh, huge for development for a bunch of the Jets prospects, and honestly, some of the guys that were on AHL contracts who ended up earning themselves NHL contracts at the end of the season. What was the travel like staying in Canada all the time? And now Abbotsford is in this year. They weren't last year. So you guys oh, were still was, the westernmost point, I, it, I believe. Well, where, where did, uh, where did uh, Calgary play? Where did Stockton play? Were they in Calgary? Yeah, Stockton came up and played out of Calgary. So all of a sudden we weren't the, the western kids. And I guess we aren't anymore per- permanently. But uh, it was travel for us was pretty easy. We only had two road trips the entire season. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, exactly. So we started out uh, with four games at home against Toronto and then uh, bopped out to the, the east there and played against uh, Laval and Belleville and um, I think a little bit against Toronto as well. And then came back for a whopping, I believe it was 16 game homestand. <laughs> we played uh, two, games. Yeah, two solid months at home. Uh, we were playing out of our practice rink instead of the uh, instead of the big rink, to which is a great facility, by the way. F- fantastic facility. It was it was kind of nice because we were able to use our facilities out there permanently, and the Jets weren't spending any time out there, so we were using both their room and our room to keep everybody distanced and all that stuff. So um, it's it's a top rate facility out there uh, because of course they, they built it once the Jets came back. And so it's, it's up to NHL standards. It's, it's excellent out there. So a little bit of getting used to, to play in the small rink. We, there's of course a, a larger rink across the hallway that uh, seats, uh, I think it's 1500 or something like that. Uh, but we couldn't use that one because we would have had to shut down the entire four rink complex and wouldn't have been able to have the kids come out and skate and stuff like that. So we were playing in the much smaller, uh, just that rink had the glass all changed yeah. over from the tempered glass to the, the proper curved glass and all that stuff. So uh, it was quite the transformation that building went through to get ready to play. They brought our banners from the big rink here to put them up along the wall. Uh, oh, they did. Wow. Kind of give it, give it that little extra touch of home. So it was it was quite the it was quite the project, especially since we turned it around in about a week uh, while the team was on the road, and then uh, off we went. So it was it was quite the season, and I think we all got an appreciation for just how fast the pro game is when you're sitting about uh, twenty feet away from it instead of a hundred or two hundred feet away yeah. in the press box. Absolutely, yeah. we had that same. We used to have our preseason games at the at our practice facility at the Kern Center, which is a local college. And boy, I would always marvel at that. And you just get an appreciation how fast these guys are, especially when you come back and you then you go watch a high school game or or some other game when you're that close and you're like, gosh, these guys, how come they're not moving as fast as the uh, as the admirals were? Well, they're not as good. That's why. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it was it was quite an interesting experience and uh, great for a close up look at some of the the cool prospects that we had along and some of the guys who really emerged as well. Well, some of the cool prospects uh, that we want to get to, I I think it starts with Cole Perfetti. Uh, Where, where is he going to be now? Is he he going to, is he he with the big club? I was going to say, will he play? I was my question. Will he play for you guys this year? He, he meets the threshold. 
cool prospects or coal prospects. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, so it was as, as a byproduct of the uh, of, of the pandemic, the uh, Ontario Hockey League didn't play. So as folks will, will know that the, the CHL players can't play in the American Hockey League until they hit that 20 year old threshold. But because the OHL didn't play, uh, Cole Perfetti, the Jets' 10th overall pick, that's, that uh, draft was able to play for us the, the entire season. He actually left right at the end to go play for Team Canada at the World Championships, which was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but uh, as a result, we got, to, we got to watch the 10th overall pick every night, which was, which was pretty cool. Not usually a guy that we would see um, at all well, some, until the end of a season, not, until the end of a he, playoff yeah, not run. When he's, not when he's 19 years old. Yeah, unless it was a playoff run. Yeah, right, right. So it was really cool to watch his progression because it wasn't it wasn't a straight line. Uh, a guy like that, uh, there's a lot to learn when you get dropped into the pro game. And uh, you know what? He was very effective on the power play. Needed to figure it out a little bit five on five. But oh man, when he did uh, in April, he was an absolute force on the ice. He was the CCMHL Rookie of the Month, and uh, he just took off. So that was a lot of fun to watch him really kind of dig in, figure it out. You could see kind of that aha moment that he had and really started to take strides. So it's, it's going to be exciting because he does meet that threshold. So in theory, we should be, we could, he's still with the jets. We could be seeing him here in the new near future and get to watch his continued progression. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And, and I, oh, go ahead, Aaron, please. No, go Charlie. I was just going to say, I don't know the answer to this question. Cause I, I didn't research it enough does the team does the do the Jets have the option to send him back to junior uh, if they want or because he played 20 games? Does he does is he like, nope, what you you choose? What do you want him? Do you want him to go to the Moose or do you want him to go down to, to Saginaw? Honestly, I don't really have the answer to that. I'm not sure, yeah. but uh, I would I would anticipate they would elect if they did have the choice. They would elect to send him to the moose. We'll I keep him here. That. Yeah, let's keep him around. Let's right. Keep him close. Let's keep keep him exactly. around because would, because I, you're I an injury that. away from being on the power play on the on the second power play unit with the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, but right. I don't I don't pretend to have a uh, a line or a buggy in uh, Kevin Cheveldayoff's office. So we'll we'll leave the important decisions up to the, him and Craig Heisinger and those guys. Well, with leadership, uh, this is an interesting year because Pascal Vincent had such great success in his in his tenure with with the club. He's moved on, and now Mark Morrison, who's no stranger, but it it is a different voice coming to all of these guys now this season. Um, what 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 can we expect? Are there any changes from the way Pascal wants to play? Pascal wanted to play to what Mark wants to play to what comes down from. Chevy and Paul Maurice. Yeah, I mean, it was it was very cool to see Pascal get that opportunity with the Columbus Blue Jackets. I think last year was an absolutely incredible job by the Moose coaching staff, especially when you looked at our roster on paper to start the season. There were a lot of guys that folks had no idea who these players were. So when uh, the end of the season came and the Moose were in second in the Canadian division and uh, there had been a bunch of breakout seasons, you could really see the work that Pascal and his coaching staff put in kind of come to fruition with the team that really bought into the plan. Um, but now moving on to Mark Morrison, as you mentioned, he's no stranger to the organization. I mean, he was the, the coach of their ECHL affiliate back in the day when the Moose were here in their first run. And then he was an assistant coach with the team out in St. John's and then continued that on when the Moose returned to Winnipeg. 
and then got an opportunity to coach for four seasons with the Anaheim Ducks as an assistant. So uh, he's gone away, got some NHL experience as an assistant, coming back now to move on to uh, being a, a head coach at, the, at our level here. So um, he's a guy that, you know what, from my experience with him in my first season working with the Moose, there, he puts so much time and energy into building relationships with players, which is very similar to, to Pascal Vincent. I would remember um, Mark spending hours working over video and talking to players like Jack Rossovic and Brendan Lemieux, guys like that, uh, back in the first season because, you know, he was just so invested in, in watching these guys have success. And when he was chatting with the media shortly after being hired, that's what he says, you know what, that's, that's what really drives me now is, is seeing those young players have that success and reach that next level. So he's very committed to, to helping these players reach their goals and, uh, and hopefully move on to the next level. You know, Aaron mentioned just the leadership, obviously at the top, you got to look for leaders on the, on the team as well. And a guy who certainly will fill that role for you is someone that we're very familiar with and Admirals fans are very familiar with, familiar with, and that's Jimmy Olaney. What's Jimmy bring to the table for you guys? Still the rugged, uh, you know, he'll drop the gloves and, and whatnot, but uh, just talk about his leadership and, and what he means to that, to that, to your team. Oh, it's, it's amazing what he's done since coming to the organization. I don't know if I need to extol his virtues to you folks. Uh, you know him well enough and know the kind of guy he is. And he brings just that incredibly steady presence. Of course, he, he can be a bit of a policeman at times. Sometimes it's tough for him to find a dance partner because people know who he is. Um, right. But when you have a guy like that, who be, beyond just making guys feel a little bit bigger on the ice, you know he's going to play the same way every night, and he's going to bring the same game every night. And at the end of the day, that's one of the most important things about being a pro hockey player. So when you have a guy like that in your room, a guy like that on the ice who can show the young kids the way, it's so valuable. And when it came down to it, he was one of our only, maybe our only veteran on the team last year. Um, Is that right? So it, yeah. And you know what? Looking at the roster again, it's another pretty young group. Yeah. Uh, a little more experience with guys like Luke Johnson and, and Mikey Asimont and Austin Boganski, but even then, not a ton of older players. So um, when you can have that guy who's, who's been around this league for a long time now, who knows what he's doing, who can bring that consistency, it's so valuable, especially for the young defensemen. You know, you mentioned some of those names. I, I, as I'm looking at the roster as of October 5th, um, six defensemen on the roster played in more than half of the games last season for the Moose. That, that's got to make you feel good. Uh, Mikhail Burden is around. That's got to make you feel pretty good. Uh, six forwards, the same thing. And then you throw in, as you mentioned, Luke Johnson, who is such a good player at this level, such a good player at this level. Uh, Mikey Asimont, Austin Pagansky, um, Ty Pelton Bice came in at the end of the season. Fans in Wisconsin will be familiar with him and his dad and his family uh, in the area. Um, there's, uh, there, yes, young, but uh, I think people will remember the players like CJ Cease and, and players like that who may have graduated or moved on to to uh, something else. But uh, there are still some names. And while we didn't see the Manitoba Moose last year, there are some names that played some valuable minutes last season coming back. Yeah, I mean, and for that defense score too, I mean, we were just talking about Jimmy there, and he, he got injured midway through the season. So all of a sudden we lost a little bit of that veteran leadership on on the back end. And I believe there were a segment of games against the Stockton Heat where our most experienced defenseman had played all of about 60 games 
of pro hockey. And that was uh, that was a tie, I think, between Johnny Kovacevic and Leon Gavanka. And then all yeah. of a sudden, Leon got hurt. And it was it was all on Leon there. We were down to – we actually had four defensemen for one game. Moved uh, Victor Hadfield, who was uh, a rookie who had only played one game up uh, as a forward. And then he was – he had played defense in, in junior. He stepped back to be the fifth defenseman. Had a heck of a game. Kovacevic played 38 minutes. Wow. That's wow. experience that you can't that that they wouldn't have had if we hadn't had the opportunity to play. But so, like you're saying, a lot of these guys are coming back, and then you add in players like a Simon Lundmark, who was a second round pick of the Winnipeg Jets a few years ago. Well, he's no stranger to pro hockey either. He's been playing over in Sweden the last few right. years. So there's there's some ex- almost sneaky experience there. They're not very old, like you were saying, but they've been getting in their pro games, and I think it's it's a group that can. Uh, especially up front, be very deep. I don't know that there's going to be necessarily somebody putting up 80 points or being a point-per-game player, but there's going to be some real scoring depth there. And I don't think Mark Morrison's going to have too much trouble trying to figure out who to put over the boards just because he's going to have a very consistent lineup. And the defense, depending on who ends up coming back the last few uh, few cuts from the Winnipeg Jets could be uh, pretty fun to watch. Yeah, no doubt. Hey, Gavanka is an interesting one to me. I mean, he's been around for a couple of seasons and uh, last year, I don't know, you tell me, did it was a kind of a breakout year for him? I know he's on Germany's radar for the Olympics. If uh, we get to that point, I, he seems like a guy who's ready to, he's pretty close to making that next step. Yeah, the, the offense didn't come as smoothly for him last season as it did in his rookie season. And, and I think there were also a couple of guys that eat up some of those minutes. He was blogging a lot of power play time in his in his rookie season, while all of a sudden Billy Hanel and Declan Chisholm yes. are lurking around and taking some of that time away. So, uh, you know what, he's, he, he's got to rely on what makes him successful, that he can wheel around the ice, he can really just blast the puck home when he gets a hold of one. And if fans were watching the world championships, he scored a couple of big goals for team Germany in just that fashion. So like you mentioned, he's definitely on the Olympic radar after playing at the world championships last year. And and he knows that. And so it's an exciting year. So maybe a little added pressure for him uh, as on top of trying to develop and trying to work his way to the NHL, he's trying to get his way into the Olympics, which is obviously an incredible opportunity for a young player. So uh, it's going to be very interesting to, watch how, how he plays and fits into this into this group now that he's got a little more experience under his belt you know admirals fans you mentioned it but admirals fans certainly know Mikel Berdan uh in goal uh he seems to be he, I think he, he played like 30 of your 36 games last year is that sort of the plan for this year if you look up at the big club you know the two established guys Hellebuck and Comrie are there uh so is it his the plan let's put him in there for 70 games and see what happens <laughs> I don't think that's going to be the case. Um, it was uh, it was an interesting situation last year, obviously, with uh, with Eric Comrie having to spend so much time on the taxi squad that resulted in, as you said, Mikhail Burden played 30 of 36 games. That's a lot of workload. He also had uh, a bunch of games in the KHL before coming over. Yeah. yeah. This season, he's going to have a bit more of a running mate, Arvid Holm, who's a Jets prospect. He's a right. uh, come over this year big goaltender six foot five and he's played the last two years in the shhl so i don't think mikhail's load is going to be quite as heavy as it has not, been the not last 70 years. <laughs> not 70 i don't think we'll have the perfect split that the admirals did a couple of years ago um yeah, with the goaltending battery but uh that always blew my mind when you're playing you guys oh how many oh they played the exact same number exactly of games. same yeah, yeah um 
and uh, but I, I don't think that it'll be quite that even of a split. But I would expect to see plenty of Arvid home this year as he works his way into the North American game as well. Real, real quick, you mentioned Eric Comrie. Is there a guy that's had more stick to itiveness in his career than Eric Comrie? My goodness, He's, that guy's gone through a lot in the last few years. He he is an incredible person. I can't uh, imagine. I, yeah, I, I can only imagine. I hope he writes a book someday about all of this because the last two years for him, obviously everybody's gone through, everyone has their own pandemic story and has been through so much. Um, but that guy, man, for an NHL slash AHL hockey player, the amount of times he's been picked up in waivers and then moved somewhere else or picked up in waivers, then traded, then picked up on waivers again, then picked up on waivers again, and then picked up on waivers again. It's yes. he's bounced around so many times. And, the and he keeps, he's a boomerang. He's a human boomerang. Yeah, he keeps it, making his way back. Well, when 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 a team loves a player like they do, Eric Comrie, I, I'm ecstatic for him to have this opportunity uh, this year to to be the guy. The guy he's going to be the backup yeah. um, to Connor Hellebuck, who's going to play a ton of games. Um, of course, so, but for for him to have a bit more security, to have the opportunity to get into some games where even as the backup, it's not necessarily a tough situation. Because man, if you look at his body of work in the National Hockey League, he has played in some tough, tough games. Yeah, um, just those games on the schedule where you know it's going to be a really and you know what that's the life of a backup, and you got to kind of battle through it. But I think he'll have an opportunity to get into some better games this year with the Jets and to really kind of build up that confidence at the next level, which is so important for goaltenders. But when you have a guy like that with his personality everybody roots for them and that gets you the opportunity because folks will go to bat for you and say you know what this guy has earned this opportunity so i'll be watching every single one of his starts like a terrified hockey parent Uh, (laughs) i mean you guys know how it is you just want these guys to succeed so bad do well yeah you end up invested in them for for different reasons than maybe uh, maybe the average fan would, but uh, it's really exciting to see him get that opportunity. He's obviously meant so much to the Moose organization. He's been the face of the franchise for our half a decade here now, and yeah. uh, it's been so important in our community. And it's great to see him at the top of all of our franchise leaderboards for all this stuff, especially last season when he came down for one game, tied Corey Schneider's record. Weren't sure if we were going to see him again. Got him back for two games, and of course, he gets a shutout to break the record and, and set that. Oh wow! So it was it was such a good story, and now to see him get the opportunity to to kind of be a full time NHLer is just uh, it's just mint. You know, you know, real quick with along with that uh, with the goalie, there's a new goalie coach too. I mean, the guy who's been mm-hmm. there forever, uh, he's he's moved on, and now coming in as a former admiral, but also a former Moose goaltender, uh, Drew McIntyre is going to be yeah, there to, to help the help the situation. So, I mean, that you talk there too about a guy who made his life on one year contracts everywhere and played yeah. all over the world. Yeah. I mean, that's that's going to be some experience too. I'm not. I'm not sure there isn't a country that Drew McIntyre hasn't. Played. I don't. I believe you're no, right. I yeah. don't think so either. And Antarctica <laughs> is the only continent. I, th- I yeah. believe. I think. That's- <laughs> We and, and you know what? We may have to confirm that. Um, <laughs> we were we were doing we did actually a piece with him this summer where one of our uh, where our reporter Austin Siragusa chatted with him and they just went over a bunch of his goal, goalie masks because he has yeah. this incredible office set up with all of his masks set up along the wall. And when you've played in I mean, you've played in every league in North America and the KHL and in uh, Asian league and yeah. Asia, like it's pretty cool. I mean, not a lot of guys have the experience that he has, but so what you were like, what you're saying, like what a great guy to learn from, 
He's had to earn his way every single year, had to prove it to people every single year uh, in different situations. He's been through it all. So what a great resource for uh, the Manitoba Moose goaltenders after having an incredible resource in Rick St. Croix, who did a lot of the same during his NHL career yeah, many, many true. years ago. Um, but he was he was such an important part of the organization as well, and it's great to see him to have the opportunity to kind of sit back and maybe in, enjoy some retirement years here for Rick. But uh, for for Drew to have a goaltender uh, who's who's just coming off the off of his pro career, and of course is a former Moose and former like a, a big time American Hockey League player. Um, he was very successful at this level, and, and he knows what it takes to be a pro. We were we were watching practice and he was demoing some stuff some drills that he wanted to see the goalies doing that he's still got pretty quick feet he was moving around pretty good there so. I, I i would believe that for sure his daughter his first daughter uh was born here in milwaukee when he played here in 0809 and his, his daughter's name is faith if i'm not mistaken which happens to be aaron's daughter's name so uh you probably stole it from him aaron i presume probably uh yeah that's 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 true um we talked about uh, about Gavanka. We talked a little bit about pro- possibly Perfetti. Um, what I mean, and you mentioned that I mean, there might be, you know, there's not going to be the 80 point scorer. It's going to be the 50 point. I, I'm, I'm anxious to see because Manitoba is always a tough team, right? They're always a physical team. They're always. I, I'm I'm anxious to see. What do you anticipate? Is it is it fair to to give a guess as to? And and let's be honest, we're all kind of guessing here. Is it fair to give a guess as to what to what to expect from the Moose? I think I think you're going to see I think you're going to see a team that we've talked about depth we've talked about adding in some of those guys that that have some pro experience I, I think it's going to be a very steady team um, I think that again it still depends on a couple of the guys that come down at times it could be a very dynamic team it's it's always so tough to tell coming into a new season especially after one that had such an interesting year like I mean you look at a guy like a Jeff Malott who was talking about players who earned NHL deals coming off American Hockey League deals last season he scored 14 goals last season in 32 games that's an incredible pace yeah, yeah. Um, especially for a guy who scored six goals in each of his four collegiate seasons. He was never even a big scorer at the college level. And also this guy's just ripping shots top corner and scoring in all different ways. So how does a guy like that move into his uh, into a full season playing 72 games and uh, and seeing some different competition? And the, the competition in the league is going to rise up a little bit it as is. well because for sure we're not going to have that line and top defenseman sitting on the taxi squad anymore so uh it'll be interesting to see how some of guys like that progress how a guy like jonathan kovacevic moves off of really his first real look at an nhl camp and playing some preseason games and if he can continue to be a develop into a dominant AHL defenseman Dylan Samberg haven't talked about him yet but he's he's on the shelf for a little bit due to uh due to an injury sustained on the first day of camp at Jets camp which was really tough to see for him so uh we'll expect to see him later on uh maybe after the first month or so of the season depending on how his recovery goes so uh there's a lot of guys like that that hitting that second or third year of pro when some guys really start to figure it out that's probably going to be what makes or breaks the moose because they've got a bunch of these steady veterans in it's those guys that can elevate and hit that next level what does a if he's with the moose as we anticipate a Cole Perfetti do in his second season is there a bit of a sophomore slump or does he just pick up where he left off and is a point per game player we don't know yet so it'll be very very interesting to see this progression and it's a team that can really build throughout the year 
What you said, though, I think it needs to be stressed. Uh, this is going to be a better league than it was last year. Not that it was a bad league, but it was a lot of 19-year-olds. Uh, there wasn't a lot of 30-year-old guys uh, that, that can still play. And the five, six, whatever the rotation was at the taxi squad. So you had quite a few players. It wasn't, your, it wasn't the normal American Hockey League. This year it will be. And I got to imagine that a lot of teams are just champing at the bit to prove that they're going to be winners right right away here. Right. Well, yeah. And the, the Moose did have the advantage of playing against a team like the Toronto Marlies, which is perennially a good team. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, a lot of veterans there. The, the team that Laval iced last year had a ton of veterans and was was very good as well. So uh, they, they did see competition that would have been pretty close to a, a normal, a normal way, yeah. hockey league roster. Um, they, they got a real good taste of it at the end of the season against the Belleville Senators when Ottawa wrapped up their season and dumped 11 players onto the roster. And the Moose had, I think, four or five key players out to injury or off to world championships. So they were uh, they were really up against it there. So uh, they, they've definitely had a taste. But it's, it's really exciting to see what uh, what the league's going to look like this year, um, especially you look at the central division and just every day, it seemed like somebody was signing another familiar name. And uh, it's, it's always one of the, one of the divisions of death in the league. So we'll see how it all shakes out, but uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to this season because I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Here, here. I, we could not agree more. Could not agree more. And 12 times this year between the admirals and the moose, right. which yeah. is uh, amazing. You, you said 72 games in, in Manitoba, the admirals will play 76, I, I, but that's right. 17% of the Moose schedule will be against Milwaukee this season. You talk about, you know, Mark Morrison, I don't know if he plays chess, but I think I think all of these coaches are going to be great chess players at the end of all of this. They're all going to, all these moves that they're going to have and trying to think ahead three, four moves and try not to psych themselves out because they're going to know each other so well. Yeah, they'll, they'll be very familiar with each other by the end of the season. I know we... Uh... We actually had that 12-game series against the Chicago Wolves in 2019-20, and I don't know if we actually finished it. I think we got to game 10 before the shutdown. It would have been on the last trip when we actually got to Milwaukee and had to turn around when everything shut down. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, quite the, it's quite the series because all of a sudden there'll be that little chunk of the schedule where you play kind of four out of – eight games or something against each other and yeah. uh, is as well spread out as, as the schedule makers try to make it. Eventually <laughs> there's going to be that mini playoff series somewhere in, and of course yeah. a couple of three game series here yeah. in, in Winnipeg. So those, those are going to be, I think a little testy by the, I, end of the I always feel, I always feel that like we play Rockford and Chicago at least 12 times every single year. This year we play them 20, 28 times. 14 each. Uh, yeah. 14 yeah. Each. yeah. Uh, and I feel like, it's like you don't play them for October, November, and all of a sudden December comes, and it's like home and home and road, home and road, home and and and, and we play them eight times in uh, the in twelve games or whatever. You guys right. are just wearing wearing tracks down the highway there, back and forth. That's yeah, right. yeah, right, pretty exactly pretty, right, pretty much. We're not, never taking the train, even though we used to have a, a Amtrak rivalry, but the Amtrak doesn't go anywhere near uh, Allstate Arena, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But again, another uh, that's another uh, just point of agreement I have for you, not necessarily a, a question. I'm like Daniel. I'm a kindergartner today. 
Daniel, it is, uh, yeah, yeah. Would, would he get any questions? Yeah. Do you have a dog? Yeah. That, <laughs> that, <laughs> I um, saw a fire truck. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's great to see you, Daniel. Hope all is well. Uh, looking forward to seeing you in person once again. I'm, I'm looking forward to getting to Winnipeg. I love to come to Winnipeg. Uh, and, uh, and best of luck, best of luck to you. Best of luck to the moose, best of luck to your, uh, to your computer, best of luck to your, uh, to your cables in your, in your uh, press box. And, and we'll all. see, we'll see you here in Milwaukee in uh, in less than a, a month yeah. or four weeks from tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Exciting times. Can't wait to get back down there and, uh, enjoy all the, uh, the beverages that your city has to offer. So very good. Those for sure. We can make it happen. We can make it happen. <laughs> Thank you, Daniel. Thanks a lot guys. Appreciate it so much. That's no Manitoba Moose play-by-play announcer, Daniel Fink. So thanks to Daniel and also thanks to Bob Kayser for joining us, uh, on this podcast. And, uh, Charlie, now we're Counting Milwaukee, five teams out of the seven in the Central Division. We got yeah, two to go. Absolutely, and I mentioned Joe Hicketts before. Fans can still hate him because we'll get we'll get to, we'll talk about his new team when we uh, when we preview the Iowa Wild coming up uh, uh, in the next few days. Uh, Iowa and Texas are the last two teams in our league still. I think we're gonna. I, I can't remember how many times we play them. We could probably figure it out pretty easily. But I, it's uh, eight or ten, if I'm not mistaken. I think both uh, uh, Iowa is ten and uh, and Texas is eight. Yeah, so. it's uh, it'll it'll make for uh, some interesting games, some some good rivalries, spirited rivalries for sure. Yes, yes, indeed, yes, indeed. Looking forward to uh, to all of that. Thank you so much for listening to this Milwaukee Admirals podcast. <laughs>